What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 9 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete Messi, joined by my ever-present co-host and newly minted cat daddy, Andy Brown, the garden variety doombringer, Mr. Robert Thompson, and the guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. How are we doing this week, boys? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a cat daddy. Yeah. Welcome to the, <laughs> the life, man. This is what it's like. <laughs> Welcome to the creed. <laughs> I would definitely play Cat Assassin's Creed. <laughs> so wait, are you a cat that's an assassin, or are you assassinating cats? Um, neither. You're assassinating <laughs> people who have hurt your cat. Alright, yeah, I'd be in for that. You're Dexter. <laughs> oh my god. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Atrocitus' is DLC. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we're going to kick off this show we, the way we do every week by talking about what we're playing this week. Andy, since you were not with us last week, why don't you kick it off? Okay, so if you've w- listened to any episode of this podcast, you've known that since we started this podcast, I was playing Persona. I'm happy to report I finished Persona. Ooh, nice. nice. I'll have a drink on you later for that. <laughs> I am now doing New Game Plus in Persona. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I got you. <laughs> That's what happens. Um, yeah, but I decided I finished the first my first playthrough with uh, 65%, I think, of the trophies. And nice. I want to go for the platinum on my second playthrough. I heard it's not a super hard platinum to get, right? It's, you just have to play it twice. Yeah, if you like know what you're doing, or if you know you're going for it and are actively trying, it's apparently not that hard. Cool. Yeah. Like, there's some stuff that's definitely, like, Achievement Hunter kind of stuff. Yeah. But so now that you're done with your first playthrough, are you planning on, like, is that going to still be your main squeeze? Uh, the Steam sale kicked off this week, so I picked up Hollow Knight, and that's been my main single-player squeeze for the past couple days. Nice, nice. So what are, you, what are you thinking about it? Oh my god, I love it. Um, It's got some technical issues, at least on my PC, but it is, like, charming as fuck. It's a nice Metroidvania, and I, like... I'll play just about any game that's an old-school retro game, but with a hand-drawn cartoony aesthetic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get you on that one. It's very much, uh, as soon as I saw the trailer for it, I was like, buying this! (laughs) Uh, definitely uh, pull the trigger on it, I think. I know you said it's in your, like, Steam cart. Yeah, I've got my Steam cart, like, ready to go from the, the summer sale. I just haven't bought everything yet. Yeah, um, definitely pick it up. It's like nine, it's like nine bucks. Yeah, it's like, so it's like, yeah, definitely definitely worth the nine dollars i found um in my five hours i think with it so far and then since i'm not playing persona anymore i've been kind of getting back into the multiplayer scene playing a lot of PUBG, and we played some league we were doing some of that last night we were were playing some league last night had some good games there yeah yeah it was actually pretty good um my mundo game is back true horrible game i don't really want to talk about league (laughs) Thompson, what do you have against the game of games? The sport of kings. Uh, no, I don't, let's not get into that. That's a long discussion. <laughs> Listen, you can be wrong and prefer hots. That's fine. <laughs> okay, I mean, do you want to get into it? <laughs> no, no, no. Why don't we just get into what you're playing this week, Thompson? Okay, fine. Um, so yeah, like Andy said, the Steam sale, that has been really fun. I picked up a few things I was on the wish list for probably a year now. Um... Oregon Trail, it's like Oregon Trail, but zombies, 
So yeah, yeah real fun. <laughs> I heard about that. You, you're into it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically what I thought it would be. You know, it's Oregon Trail with zombies. It's 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 stupid hard, and really, there's no chance to win. You know, and but it's fun, like breaking down every five minutes and having raiders kill you like as soon as you start. So <sighs> I, I like that kind of shit. You know, the RNG is really unfair. Um, this shit's unfair. I love it. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I guess see it as like a challenge. You know, it's like. Can I stop, like, what Mother Nature throws at me? I don't know, but I'm going to try, you know. It's just my way of, like, fighting the world, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of RNG, though, I beat XCOM 2, which has been a absolute fucking blast. I absolutely love that character creator. Like, I think I put, like, 80 hours into that game, and I probably spent about 15 just making characters. So, um, by the end of the game, I had, like, 30 people. Only three ever died, and the last person to die on the last mission was Solid Snake. So... It's it's a little fitting that he saved the entire team, but like I will mourn his loss forever. Thank you, Snake. Snake had a hard life. Yeah, he really did, dude. He he did a lot in that game. He took down two of the mini bosses just by himself, and like he got stranded once, and then he got taken back as if, I mean this this guy went through hell, and then he died at the end, and I felt kind of bad about it, but I literally almost reloaded after that, even though he was like the final shot to win the game. But ugh, um, died a hero. Yeah, I figured it would just keep his memory better that way. Uh, yeah, so I played some PUBG with you guys. Um, couple by myself, not really. Hots, obviously, that's another one. Um, this other stupid game that came out, Black Desert Online. You know, I was like playing around with jumping into an MMO, and this is like seven bucks. Um, I gotta give it a nice shout out for one thing at least. The combat system is fucking incredible. It feels like I'm playing an arcade game. Like I actually have to memorize combos and stuff to like just cast spells. You know, like. It's very fast paced, and you almost feel like you need a like an arcade stick to play it because it's just ridiculous. Huh. You you literally utilize your Q E F W A S D control and both mouse buttons to fight. It's insane. Wow. Plus, it's weeby as shit. Oh my god, it's pure weeb. So it's also edgy as shit because I picked the only class that happens to get a scythe later on. I had no idea about it. So the moment I found that out, I was like, <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> I was like, I need this. I had no I idea right about call. it. You know, you know that chicken SpongeBob meme. That's that's me right now. To you saying you had no idea about it. <laughs> the scythe part? No, I had no idea. I happened to pick the sorceress, which uses black energy and stuff, and I was like, "That's already fucking edgy enough." And then I get a scythe. Oh, and I'm apparently an aspect of the Grim Reaper himself. Like, please, I can't take it anymore. So, yeah, I put some time into that, and that that's pretty much it. I think. I'm sure, there's something else I'm forgetting again, but whatever. Cool. What about you, Sean? Uh, so for me, it was pretty much all World of Warcraft. Uh, this week, the Tomb of Sargeras opened, and so all raiders are neck deep in uh, <laughs> nine new bosses, which, you know, it's a lot of fun. Um, a lot of work, though, preparing for that, especially coming off a big, big, busy week last week. Uh, so, or I should say the week before. Um, yeah, last so, week you guys were busy partying. Yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's been ridiculous. Uh, but that's that's honestly the only gaming I've really had time for. I've played a few games of Heroes, but nothing, you know, nothing substantial. Uh, you know, after raid with the guild members, some of us we play Heroes together. So I did some of that, but that really was the extent of my gaming this week. So overall, how was uh, how was your visit with your guildies? It was awesome. Um, they, you know, you expect you expect a certain level of awkwardness when you meet people for the first time that you've known over the internet, especially since we're all nerds, you know? The expectation is that we're going to be weird. 
Uh, but it really wasn't like that at all. Um, we've we've known each other for quite a while at this point. So how many years had you been playing with these people? Uh, some of them, some of them, I've been playing for, I've been playing with for two years. Okay. Uh, others for you know eight months, stuff like that. So uh, a, a while in WoW time. That's that's a long time. Yeah. So uh, for real life, that's a long time. You know, if you guys yeah. are playing together like every every week for two years, that's you know. Yeah. So it's it, it was awesome, and uh, I was sad to see them go. We played a lot of um, tabletop games and and stuff like that. Which oh, you I... get your Magic the Gathering on? <laughs> no, uh, we played a game called um, One Night. I think it's called. It's a, it's a oh game... Ultimate Werewolf. Yes, there you go. Andy knows board games, yeah. so <laughs> go to him. Andy knows every board game. <laughs> that is not true. Just most board games. <laughs> You know more than both of us, so... It's an awesome game. Uh, you, you've you played it, Andy? I actually, like, just got that game last night. That's really funny. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, Damn. It's Damn. a, like, very fun short game, you know? Yes, exactly. I like the fact that you can get in a number of, uh, a number of games within a very short period of time. Uh, unlike Monopoly, which, you know, you, you, you might not even get a game in within three hours, you know, so. I find that the conclusion of most games of Monopoly is somebody says, fuck Monopoly, and the game ends. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we did a lot of that. It was a it was a really cool and fun experience having them here. And, uh, you know, hopefully in like six or eight months, they can come back and we can do it again once we clear out the Tomb of Sargeras in World of Warcraft. Very cool, man. Uh, as for me, uh, I had a pretty big game. Uh, pretty big game. Pretty big gaming week. Excuse me. Jesus. Um, so, for starters, uh, I beat the original Super Mario Brothers in, the in like, two settings. Wow. Um, because I, I started editing the last episode of the Video Game Pals, and uh, I, like, needed something to do while I was editing, you know? And, like, I don't like to be too distracted from it because, like, you know, I want to be able to, you know, like, make edits on the fly when I need to and stuff as I'm listening to the episode. Yeah, you got to remove all those pregnant pauses. <laughs> you know, just any, like, clicks, any random shuffling around, anything like that. Um, so, you know, I... Uh, I pull out. I pulled out my 3DS and just started playing the original Super Mario Brothers because I have Super Mario uh, Deluxe on uh, on my 3DS, and I got through the first five worlds in the first sitting. So then I picked it up again uh, the other night and just jammed through the last three and uh, and called it a day. So it was, it was fun. It was the first time I had gone back and like beaten the whole game in uh, like a number of years, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It's like my my chops were definitely like a little lost at the very beginning. Like, I had more trouble on World 1-1 than I did on, on 8, you know, by the time I got there. <laughs> it's a grind of bike, though. <laughs> you know, you, you got it back, you know. Yeah you're, yeah. you're really fucking good at those kinds of games anyway. That's your forte, so. I think that was why I had such a problem with it, honestly, was that, like, I play so many platformers that, like, when I went back to it, I was, like, not used to the way that Mario moves, you know, and, like, the the long jump and everything like so i don't know it took a little bit of time to get back in that rhythm every platformer should move like mario it's the gold standard in platform movement it pretty much is uh, i definitely would just dis- or would not disagree with that uh but i guess it's just like 
I've been playing a lot of Mega Man lately, and he's got that one little hop. So it's like getting used to the the running and the you know the timing of everything again was definitely an adjustment. Um, but then beyond that, I doubled back and finished Final Fantasy XV afterwards. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I've been talking about doing that since we started this show, um, and I didn't know if I would ever really do it. But I finally just like decided to sit down and, and you know actually dig through and bite the bullet there. Um, I was in the middle of chapter 13, which was kind of the one that got a lot of the criticism for like being really slow and kind of breaking up the game, as it were. Um, so it was cool because I got to pick up where I was halfway through, and um, as soon as I got to a checkpoint in my playthrough, I was able to switch over to the new kind of like streamlined version that they had done. Andy, like, did you get a chance to play that? I know you actually... No, I never played the, like streamlined version um i finished it like a week after the game came out Mm. and just that was it for me i haven't gone back to it yet i'd like to at some point because like the fact that oh god what's the car's name the regalia yeah the fact that the regalia can fly in the post game is fun yeah i I still want to like fool around with that just to do it apparently the like bonus dungeon at the end is really cool but nice yeah, I haven't gone back to it since, like, November. Yeah, I don't I don't think I will go back to it, honestly. Um, like, I'm glad I went back and finished it, but I don't know. Like, I actually messaged you when I was done with it, and uh, I had a lot of mixed feelings about the ending of the game, uh, and I was talking about it a little bit yesterday with Thompson, and, like, I just, like, I like the game a lot, but I hate that it's good and not great, because I feel like it's so close to being great, but... I don't know. There's just so many things that I feel like it does so sloppily, you know? Yep. Um, Like, all of its villains are, I think, really good villains that are sort of poorly fleshed out. I feel like all the characters are poorly fleshed out, honestly. Like, every single one of them. Yeah. Um, But, like, I, I really do have to give the game props for... I took it really personally in that one part where Gladio's mad at you. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's part of what's so frustrating to me is that, like, I feel like whether it's because I'm doing the legwork or it's actually well executed, that, like, I feel like the bond between the four main characters feels real in, like, the small moments of the game. Like when you're on the road or when you're out in a mission and they're like just bantering with each other, like that feels very authentic and like that did something for me. But then what is also so frustrating is because I have those feelings about these characters and their dynamic, when we get to the big emotional moments in the story and they don't act the way that I think they should, it's like, it feels really dissonant, you know? Yeah, I get that. Like mild, mild spoilers for Final Fantasy 15. Like, there's a future segment that's teased at the beginning of the game, right? And eventually you get to that segment. You've been separated from your friends for, like, a long time because of some magic shit. And, like, the moments where they reunite and then all their kind of, like, moments, like, the final kind of moments you have with them for the most part, like, all feel really, like, they just don't feel like they're reacting the way that they should be for what's going on. Thompson, you haven't finished this game yet, have you? No, I got to, I, th- uh, I think, to like, chapter 10 or 11, uh, right when you get to the the Venice-looking replica city where it's all water everywhere. 
I don't remember the name. Okay. I mean, like, I like got there, and then you know, I, I don't have to like level up or anything. I'm just gonna be able to blow through it because I did literally everything I could do before I got to that city, and I'm like level like eighty. So uh, anything I fight is just like almost a one hit kill at this point. Um, so it's like it. I could theoretically blow through it. Yeah, because like I wanna talk about like the end end but i also don't because you haven't finished it yeah i mean i can't really weigh in my opinion on it like i agree with pete on a lot of things and i haven't finished it yet so like i don't want to give it like a final stamp of approval and say like yeah you know i don't, I, I might like it i don't know i might like the ending I, I can't really tell it's possible um but yeah you mean like the true ending andy the post credit scene not or? even that like that seems like really good and part of the problem where the parts that are really good are really good and the parts that are bad are just fucking horrendous but like i like like the ideas behind all the villains i think just about every bad guy is an interesting character that's poorly fleshed out and like arden could have been kefka level good yeah i honestly i agree with that for the most part and i think a lot of the supporting characters i feel the same way about them you know like um aranea is like a really cool character but you get so little time with her yeah, she's just, like, there. Yeah, and that's how I feel about most of the characters, except for, um, what's her name? Gladio's sister. Iris? Oh, yeah. Iris, yeah, thank you. And that's because you actually spend time with her. You know, like, she gets to join your party for, like, that one segment of the game, so it's like, okay, like, I actually feel like I have some kind of relationship to this character because we did missions together and stuff, whereas almost every other supporting character is either... Like, I totally forget who they are, or, like, I want to know more of them, and you never get it. Aranea joined your party. Yeah, for a hot sec, or whenever you're struggling yeah, with a exactly. monster. <laughs> I like Iris, except for that uncomfortable section where she forces you to go on a date with her. Yeah, it's Yeah, <laughs> I gotta admit, that was very awkward. <laughs> but I think, like, that's kind of the intention. It's like, you're supposed to feel, like, Noctis feels super uncomfortable, yeah, too. Yeah, and I did. Yeah. Um, but, like, Ravis in particular, I think, is the, like, supporting character done worst by the writing. Because, like, he has and lives out an interesting story. Yeah. But it, like, happens across, like, four scenes. So it's, like, you... I don't know. That's the problem, is, like, so much of the resolution or the answers that we get feel just so unsatisfying. Yep. Even though, like, if I were to explain the narrative to you, it's like, oh, that's an interesting story, or, like, that's a cool character dynamic. But the way it plays out is just not as good as it could or should be. But I enjoyed it. Um, I don't want to, like, sound like I'm down on it. It's just, like, it sucks, because it could have been great. Yeah, I hate when games that could have been great end up being pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then beyond that, I also played uh, a little bit of another game that Andy has recommended many times on the show, which is Kentucky Route Zero. Yo, yo, yo. So you told me I'm actually, like, halfway through the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I like it, but I'm also super frustrated by it regularly. <laughs> yeah, I get that. It's, uh, it's super interesting. Like, the, the main narrative is definitely, I'm very engaged with it, but, like, it's such a esoteric game that, like, I'm often doing things and just being like, I'm not really sure what the significance of this is or what's even happening, but like, I'm interested, you know? And I, I just like, I hope that there's a payoff for some of the things that I'm being like, you know, having laid for me. Cause otherwise I'm just going to be like left with, I don't want to have like an inception moment at the end of this and just being like, so what happened? Like, 
Don't just make me, don't make me decide what happened. Give me some of the answers. I'm cool if they leave most of it open to interpretation, but. Uh, then, then you're basically playing the game lost, you know, like that's, if they don't give you anything at the end, you know? <laughs> yeah. It sucks. And I, I definitely think that like, I have a good idea of what's going on, but I mean, hell, the game could also tell me that uh, I'm totally wrong. Pete, if if at you're any point. halfway through a game and you're saying, I think I have a good idea of what's going on. I don't think you have an idea of what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> you're halfway through i mean like some things can tease you for a while but if you don't even know if you know <laughs> i i get where you're saying it and i'm gonna venture a guess where you understand like what's happening but you don't understand what's happening yes yeah and like it, it i know like we're talking about it in hyper vague sense but it's like it's a game that if we like spoil or, like, tell you what we think about it, it'll influence the way you play it. So, it's definitely, like, if you like narrative games, if you like, like, experimental games, like, it's definitely a thing worth checking out. Um, but it's super strange. I'm definitely into it, though. Yeah. It's, like, I really, really like that game. But I get all the criticisms you have of, like, this game's frustrating. Yeah. Um, but it's it's cool. I'm, I'm definitely glad I'm finally playing it. And uh, I am looking forward to finishing it up and then waiting with you another five years for the final chapter to come out. Hey, man, you already waited. Or it's already been one year, so we only got four. Oh, okay. Months. That's not so bad. <laughs> all right. So that's going to wrap up what we're playing this week. Um, and, uh, from there, we're going to move on to a buy or sell. So if you guys didn't tune in last week, uh, buy or sell is a game that we generally play over on the comics pals that we decided we're going to start doing over here on the video game pals, where we're going to offer, uh, a number of options and you're going to have to decide to buy on one of them and then sell on the rest. Um, so what that means will become very apparent once we get into the actual thick of it. But, uh, so I'm going to throw out this question for you guys this week, uh, buy or sell on PC or console gaming. And for console gaming, I'm going to add the addendum that that includes handhelds. So, you know, you got to pick one or the other. This is actually easy for me. I go with PC wow. right off the bat. I start on the PC. I've done everything, like StarCraft's on the PC. Like, I've literally been a PC gamer first, always. Even if I've had a console that I've liked and games on it, I've always enjoyed stuff. I've always gravitated to the PC first in almost my entire life. So, like, I'm not saying console games are bad or anything. I love them, but it's just an easy pick if I have to pick one because, like, I've I've started on the PC. I respect that. No, wait, Andy, before you say, I want to just throw this out to you, though. That means no Fire Emblems. No Fire Emblems, ever. None of your JRPG weeb shit. No Persona. No Shin Megami Tensei. None of these games ever exist. Um, Sega says they're looking to bring Persona to the PC. Well, no, but and... they, no, but that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I've, like, it will hurt a little to give up some of my favorite things, but, like, I'm with Thompson. I've always been a PC gamer, and just, like, that's how I, like, play most of my games, and how I like to play most of my games. Like, I get a lot of value out of getting you know y'all on discord and shooting the shit this is very hard for me because i have been a console gamer my whole life but at around 11 or 12 years old i started to play pc games as well and i balanced them pretty much my entire um 
my entire life from that point. Uh, except the last few years where I've pretty much played exclusively on PC. Uh, I do still buy console games and they either stay in a wrapper or I don't beat them unless they're the kind of game that's not beatable, like a basketball game or a wrestling game, uh, which I'll pick up and play every now and then. But most of my gaming now is Heroes of the Storm, World of Warcraft, you know, uh, Hearthstone, games like that. And so the idea that I don't have access to console games anymore, that's heartbreaking. But the idea that I couldn't play the games that I'm actively playing right now, that's really tough too. Uh, if I wasn't playing uh, PC games, I don't know if I'd be playing games right now. So, oh man, this is brutal. No, dude, it's cool. I had a Sophie's Choice last week. Mm. I figured I figured you and Andy would have the toughest time with this, but Andy just threw all his favorite games right under the bus, so... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't all my favorite games also like if i have a pc i'm gonna be running some emulators on no, that you can't there are no emulators you can't do that like the, the this is like the, if you pick this mm-hmm. console gaming doesn't exist oh oh like these games are you can't ever play them ever again i'd like to say i'm still fine with this <laughs> I figured you would be. You're you've always been a diehard PC boy, even though you play a lot of console games. I play Duck Game with a keyboard. So what does that say? <laughs> You're a fucking crazy person. <laughs> That's what it says. I'm I'm gonna buy on console gaming, and I'm, I'm selling on PC. I have to. A bold choice. I know it's a heartbreaker. I know, man. I get that. Uh, I'm gonna actually do the same thing because I, I think it's. For me, it's definitely like the opposite of what you guys said, where I love PC gaming and uh, I love I love PC gaming as a social experience more often than not, though. You know, like right. if I can play a game on a console, I'll generally play it on a console um, with the rare exception of, you know, like if it's a like I've started getting all my Telltale games on PC because I don't want to like have to deal with playing them across platforms and stuff like that. So, but unless there's, like, a clear benefit to buying it on PC, like, in terms of convenience, I'll always get, like, my major games on a console. And uh, in terms of, like, exclusives, the exclusives I care about are on consoles, you know? Like, I would really miss League and Over... But actually, I could still play Overwatch. Um, I would miss, like, League. I would miss MOBAs in general um, and, like, other stuff like that. But, like, even Pub, like, any of those kinds of things. Like, most of the really great PC experiences come to console. So the amount of games that I would miss out on by never being able to play PC again um, would be few and far between. And if in this scenario I'm making it that PCs don't exist at all, then, I mean, you guys will have to come over and play on consoles so I can still play multiplayer with my friends. (laughs) Oof. This is a a painful hypothetical. Yeah, that's the whole point. But all right, so that's our that's I know it's it's a dark world that we're talking about. It's dark timelines, boys. Good luck living in the console world where your PC tech doesn't drive your market better. Oh, evil Troy and evil Abed. That is a better world. Also, I mean, I have handhelds in that scenario too. Like, I'd be I'd have to be giving up on my Pokemon's and stuff. Can't be doing that. Can't be doing that. Yeah, you'd have a, a black and white Game Boy for ten years longer because the PC tech wouldn't be there to push it. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> that's, that's out of the bounds of the buyer cell. No, but for Pete specifically, I want to make him feel bad. 
Well, when what you put it like that. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, so that's our buy or sell this week. If you guys want to play along at home, you can let us know your choice in the comments below. And uh, while we're at it, let me tell you guys where you can find our show everywhere on the web. So if you want to connect with the Video Game Pals, you can follow our sister show at The Comics Pals on Twitter and Instagram, or send us your thoughts and questions over at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's comics with an S, pals at gmail.com. And we'll read them on the air. Uh, if you're an audio listener, we would greatly appreciate you liking the track on your platform of choice and dropping us a rating over on iTunes, where we are currently a five-star rated podcast, something of which we are very proud. And if you're listening over on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to our channel, and as always, the most important thing you can do to help the show is share it with your pals so they can become our pals too. With all that out of the way, let's uh, jump right into the news, the news, we talking about the news, the news, the news, we talking about the news. Alright, so we've got four items on the list this week, but a couple of them are pretty meaty, so let's jump right into it. Uh, item number one on the list is that Overwatch director Jeff Kaplan said in a developer update that there are plans to, quote, drastically reduce Overwatch loot box duplicates. So uh, in the video, he said, quote, we are going to make significant improvements to the loot box experience. One of the things we're going to do is drastically reduce the rate of duplicates that you'll get in any loot box. We think this will be immediately evident and extremely significant for all our players, and we think it's going to feel fantastic. To compensate, we're going to increase the amount of credits you will receive out of loot boxes. We'll make sure your credit intake will be about the same, if not more, when all of this is done. You have to keep in mind, though, that the system doesn't have infinite content, so at some point you're going to get duplicate items. But we think the changes should be very drastic and significant. So, this is great. Yeah, I'm about it. Alright, uh, what is the credits thing? Is that like if you get a duplicate, you get um, like shards from heroes to make your own stuff? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, you get, you get shards that you can use to buy uh, player skins. Or character skins. Um, I guess you can use them on other things too, right? Like the emotes and yeah, stuff? Yeah, you can use them on other things, but like, yeah. why would you? Right, yeah, you want skins. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is great. Like, that's kind of my one complaint with Overwatch. It's like, I love Overwatch. I think it's a really well-made game in every sense of the word. Um, but I hate the loot system. I hate that I can't just buy the skins that I want. I hate that I have to, like, buy loot boxes to get new content. And that, generally, that amounts to a bunch of duplicates and... I still can't get anything I want. So um, the idea of like not only decreasing the number of duplicates we're getting, but increasing the amount of currency that we're going to be getting sounds like a win-win. It kind of seems like since uh, Heroes 2.0 came out and like that's been incredibly rewarding that they're going to take a note out of that, that book at least. Because I don't know, I've heard nothing but like, you know, praise about Overwatch from everyone around me, except you guys have said that the loot system kind of sucks. And it's, it's pretty much the same, right? Like you get a box, you get four things and you know yep hope for the best yeah well yeah it's just in heroes it's way yeah. you get way more stuff Yeah, you just get a ton of shit in heroes i mean you play the game you pretty much can get a chest every like two games you know yeah you level it's... way faster in heroes than in overwatch and because you have dailies and stuff like there's just way more opportunity for you to get loot yeah whereas in overwatch like especially as you get higher level in the game it's increasingly more difficult to get uh, loot, uh, loot boxes and you like the only way to get them that isn't from leveling is by completing like your weekly like by playing like the arcade mode stuff you can unlock them from doing like a certain getting a certain number of wins or playing a certain number of games but it is contingent mostly on you winning games so if you're like having a rough time like you're not only getting your ass kicked you're not earning loot and that feels like shit yeah that sucks well and then when you earn loot it's all duplicates yeah. Mm. 
So it's like getting a loot chest in Overwatch isn't even exciting for me anymore because most of the time I expect disappointment and then I'm pleasantly surprised if I actually get something good. Whereas wow. in Heroes, even if I get crap, I'm usually excited because it's like, well, at least I'm making it so I won't get that again. That sucks, dude. I don't think I've ever heard you explain a, a game like that. You're like, it, you know... <laughs> I'm sorry, like that yeah, sucks. And like I love Overwatch. Yeah, so, no, that's what you I mean. You, you guys care about it, and if you feel that strongly about its list system, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm glad they're making the changes. You know. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. I think this is a much needed adjustment. I agree. Uh, it's actually surprising to me that Overwatch's loot system has this kind of issue, just because of. And I don't play that game, but I know that they kind of brought over the loot system from Overwatch to Heroes, and that's been so great that it's it's kind of weird that in Overwatch they've continued to kind of have this problem and let it stay this way for as long as they have but Blizzard, you know, tend, they tend to do right by their fan base so this doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that they're making the change. It only surprises me that it took so long. Yeah, that's that's my big thing. Like I know Blizzard always treats the fans pretty good in the end and it seemed like it's how old is overwatch now isn't it going into like its second year or some shit uh yeah it came out last may yeah so it had its one year anniversary this like past maybe month. they were just waiting for that you know i mean there's like you know what we'll run the game a year like this and then we'll we'll make our changes as we need yeah i mean like they had a year's worth of fan feedback and everything right. and i think like it seems unanimously that that was kind of the one thing that every overwatch fan was frustrated by you know was that the loot system was it just isn't it just isn't good you know like frankly like when you see how good heroes is or how good you know it is in just other games you know um it's i should be able to just get the fucking skin i want and not have to spend money on crates and open for duplicates you know uh so speaking of overwatch loot boxes if you're a Twitch Prime user, you can currently grab a free golden loot box, which is guaranteed at least one legendary item, as well as 10 standard loot boxes that will be doled out uh, 5 in August and 5 in October. So if you guys want to check that out, uh, we've got a link down in the description, um, you know, Prime, all that stuff. They've got a bunch of in-game, like, free stuff you can get. So if you are an Amazon Prime user and you haven't already gotten your Twitch Prime subscription for free, you should go check that out. Yeah, there's free stuff for Pub. There's free stuff for 2K if you're playing NBA 2K17. They just recently partnered with Blizzard as well, and they are going to be doing more stuff for uh, Hearthstone and then I believe Heroes of the Storm in the future as well. So yeah, if you're, uh, you're a Twitch Prime subscriber or you're an Amazon Prime subscriber with that free Twitch Prime waiting for you, go claim it. Get some free stuff. Uh, so, next item on the list is Sega's Retro Library is going free-to-play on mobile and iOS. So, Sega Forever is Sega's new mobile service for uh, iOS and Android devices that makes, quote, nearly every Sega game available for free with ad support. So, if you want to get around the ads, players can spend $1.99 on any and all of Sega Forever games coming to the program in the future. Um, but some of the pre-existing games that are being uh, listed right now, like Sonic the Hedgehog... Uh, are going to be a little bit more like that Sonic the Hedgehog port has been available for a few years and it costs three dollars but any of the new games coming forward will be a buck 99 and Sega plans to release titles on a bi-weekly basis so every two weeks we should see a new batch of games and uh, it's going to range from every single Sega console that's ever been you know released up until the Dreamcast all Sega Forever games are going to have offline play controller support leaderboards and cloud saves 
So that's pretty interesting, I guess. And uh, the launch lineup includes a handful of Mega Drive and Genesis games, including Sonic the Hedgehog, Altered Beast, Fantasy Star 2, Kid Chameleon, and Comic Zone. So what do we think about this? I mean, it's cool. Uh, is this a thing anybody wanted, though? That's kind of my attitude about it. Yeah, I, I'm a little turned off to the fact that it's on mobile and iOS and not the PC, you know, like or like something else that is... I, I'm not going to play a game on my phone, you know, like Sonic the Hedgehog or something. Like, even if it, you know, you know, like I was thinking, uh, I like a lot of Sega games from back in the day, you know, like uh, the Genesis era was great for me, but I'm sure. not going to play them on my phone. Like, that's just... Not yeah, happening. I mean, like, those controls don't translate very well to a touchscreen. Yeah, you know? especially, like, like, you you need to have a really good touchscreen, I think, you know? If my, like, mine, I have to hit a couple times to get something to go, like, that's not gonna fucking work, you know? And I don't know. Yeah, especially with, like, a fast, like, platformer, like Sonic. Yeah. You know, it's like, mm, I don't know about that. I mean, it, it's pretty cool that they're giving this away for free. With, you know, with yeah. ad support. And I, it's hard to complain about a free op- an opportunity to play these games for free for someone who maybe has never played them or for the nostalgia element of someone who just games on mobile now and and you know is not a not a gamer like we are but it's right. like hey oh I can play Sonic for free why the hell not you know I, I think that's really cool uh, it gets Sega some more goodwill which they've been trying to work on lately uh, and you know of course they're not going to release these games for free on PC because or or console because there's money to be made there. Whereas I think you guys are right in that in order to really sell these games on mobile, they would need to make some changes and there would need to be some tweaks and stuff. And like, you know what? Let's just throw this out there. And I think that's fine. I will say, um, I remember uh, I was listening to uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily, which is uh, another video game podcast, and they were mentioning how there was uh, an interview with the guy who's heading up the program uh, who said that their plan is to really hit iOS and mobile hard and, uh, and make that work as a platform and once they've worked out the kinks they're looking into the possibility of bringing it to other platforms like pc and he said specifically he said consoles like nintendo switch so i don't necessarily i think i agree with you that i don't think we'll ever actually see it on consoles just because i don't really see what a console manufacturer has to gain from allowing sega to put this platform there where they they could sell sonic the hedgehog on the virtual console or on the playstation store for like five dollars or they could let Sega let people play it for free and get ad revenue. And, you know, unless they're going to cut them in a, at a significant rate, I don't see any value for a console manufacturer. Whereas if, if Sega wants to, excuse me, if Sega wants to put it out as like a uh, standalone app on PC, that's something that they could do themselves. And that could probably work. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I like this idea. Like, like Sean was saying, you know, I'm all for letting people experience these games. Uh, I don't obviously know how much ads there's like how many like uh you're gonna get you know how intrusive it's gonna be maybe uh they'll do it per game it'll be like a different thing or maybe it's like on a time limit but you know depending on how much or how little you get it could be really awesome you know if it's just flooded with ads you're, you're gonna at least be able to taste the game you know but if you're able to play it like pretty good you know a good amount you know it's it's fine it's i don't think i'm gonna do it but it's not a phone gamer really so that's probably why Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. If any of you guys at home are are checking these out or do check them out after you heard us talk about them, please let us know what your experience has been with these. Like, how do they feel? You know, like, how are they playing? How are you enjoying it with the touchscreen stuff? The one thing that's interesting is it comes with controller support. So I guess Mm -hmm. if you have like a Bluetooth 
controller for your phone, uh, you could play these games like the way they were intended. I guess that would be cool, but I know, I know, I know. like the uh, the Xbox One controller and the DualShock Four both connect over Bluetooth. Oh yeah, I guess you could do that, huh? That's interesting. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I think Sean's right. I don't think this is necessarily for us. I think this is definitely aimed at a more casual market. Um, and I don't know. This could be a good idea, maybe. We'll have to see, I guess. I'll be interested to see how many people actually do it. You know, like what the numbers on this actually are. Yeah, definitely. I hope it works out for him because, like, I like those old Sega games. And honestly, there's, like, a real shot of me just picking up Fantasy Star 2, you know? That's a good game yeah man i definitely think i think it's interesting just because i think this is a this is an interesting new approach to trying to leverage a classic game market you know in a way that isn't just putting out another collection or or something like that and trying to get in on this free-to-play market it's uh it's interesting you know i'm, I'm just glad to see sega making moves that seem a little bit i don't know just like Savvy? smarter yeah definitely smarter you know yeah they're trying at least i always give uh, them credit for that you know yeah i mean they said they said right like that they're they want to see their game sales increase by 50 percent this year so i mean who knows maybe this will be maybe this will be a good way for them to diversify there a little bit all right so uh the last item we've got on our news list is a super meaty one so strap in um but we've got some more information about life is strange developer don't nods upcoming vampire rpg vampire so if you guys tuned into our E3 specials, we talked a little bit about Vampire. We got another story trailer then. Um, we all expressed interest in the game or what, what the game is promising, but uh, we also all kind of complained that we didn't really get any information about what the game actually plays like, you know, or what it feels like. However, uh, we got an article from Steven Messner over at PC Gamer uh, who writes... I'm just going to read you the intro of his article here, because I think it, it sets the stage for the conversation I want to have about Vampire. Um, but yeah, if you want to check out the full article from him, uh, it'll be down in the description below with all the rest of our news items, so you can go check that out. Um, but he writes, A lot of modern RPGs boast about the power of choice. They preach about how I get to shape the story, when in reality that story is more like a rubber band. No matter how much I try to stretch it, it'll always snap back to the same shape. But when Vampire's game director, Philippe Moriou, Moreu, mm, <laughs> tells me that it's possible to kill just about every NPC and condemn London to become a wasteland of diseased monsters, I have flashbacks to killing Caius Cassades Cus in Morrowind. Uh, and Pete, the yeah, main wow. quest entirely. That's a throwback. This is the what? part of the show where Pete <laughs> gets every name wrong. Yeah, Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. So... Coming off a game like Life is Strange, Don't Nod's Vampire is a wildly ambitious RPG. During E3, I got the chance to watch nearly 45 minutes of unscripted gameplay, and the whole time I kept thinking, wow, this sure does look a lot like The Witcher and Vampire Bloodlines had a baby. Trust me, I'm well aware that I just compared Vampire to two of the most cherished PC games of all time, but stick with me here. So, from there, he kind of goes on to say that the game's core thematic concept seems to be the tension between our main character, Jonathan's struggle between his Hippocratic oath as a doctor to protect life, uh, and then his need to take it as a vampire. His uh, vampocratic oath, if you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so that obviously plays into like the themes of the story here and like the moral you know, uh, approach that you choose to take in the game. 
But he said what's really interesting about it is that this theme is actually really deeply woven into the various gameplay systems that are present in the game. So uh, the biggest example that he calls out is that there are no generic NPCs. So every single person that you encounter on the streets has a name, uh, they have relationships to other characters, they have a backstory, they have associated quest lines. So as a doctor, like we said, it's kind of your mission to want to protect these people from the vampires and um, the cannibalistic skull, which I guess are these like animalistic vampires that are eating people. Uh, who are starting to, like, you know, come up in, like, the shittier areas of London. Um, but to do that, you need to eat some... You need to feed on some people. Like, because the way that you gain EXP and learn new skills and, and gain grow stronger is by feeding. So, like, you have to kill some NPCs, and there's consequences for every person that you kill. You know what the, the comparison that wasn't made there that I'm hearing is? What's that? Oh, you know it, boy. Look at them Undertale statues on your desk and tell me that doesn't sound Undertale. It sure does. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Toby Fox's Vampire Game. So, with that in mind, um, feeding does have some, some consequences, though, aside from just, like, the story implications, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a minute. Um, so each district of the, t- of the city has its own health bar. So every time you murder a citizen or do something that makes the uh, area more dangerous and compromises their safety, that district becomes, like, unhealthy or more unhealthy. So, like, early on in the game, like, that might mean that, like, things are more expensive, you know, or, like, certain quests become unavailable because you kill an important character. Uh, But if you're, like, just killing everybody you see or you're killing indiscriminately, um, the entire, like, district can basically fall into chaos and, like, become overrun by vampires or, like, these skulls or whatever it is. Um, And they'll basically just kill everyone and make that entire area uninhabitable and there'll be no more quests or anything there and you'll just close everything up. Uh, And then, again, Philippe Moreau, who's the game's director, said that it's possible to kill pretty much every NPC in the game uh, and basically just make London a total wasteland and still actually find a way to complete the game. So... You know how we've talked about how The Witcher is overwhelming with choices? Yes. That's what it feels like. This is... I mean, he makes direct comparisons to The Witcher yeah. uh, on more than one occasion. I want to try this game. I really liked Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. I, you know, enjoyed the time I spent with Life is Strange. But, like, holy shit, is this going to stress me out? <laughs> this level of, like, effect on the world? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get that. Um, I absolutely relish the idea, and it's not even a hard choice. Just kill everybody and get all the XP. Why Why would you even hesitate? Come on. You're not thinking like a monster now. Yeah, come on. You're, you're playing No, a, I'm thinking a, like a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man, Thompson! A man! Yeah, you gotta give that up when you get back from the war, you know? It's, it's, you, gotta, you gotta feed yourself, man. Everyone's gotta eat, you know? Man, this new Battlefield 1 DLC looks crazy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but actually, speaking of, uh, of, of what you just said, Thompson, um, so, like, one of the, the things that you can do, right, is when you're making decisions on who you want to feed, is, uh, they're, like, they're vampiric skills that you can unlock, right? And one of them is, uh, like, vampiric persuasion. So, you can use that to, like, talk to a person and learn information about them that then goes into this, like, map that you have in your menu system, basically, that's a giant web that shows, like, all the NPCs that you meet and all the information you know about them and how they connect to other people. 
So like this person is this person's sibling or this person works for this person or, you know, whatever. Um, it reminds me of prototype, uh, when you would consume the memories of, uh, people, it made a web of information that like, you know, based on who you knew, you could find new targets and stuff and who had people, you know, and, like prototype was more of like, right. you have to kind of kill everybody, but still that, that's very interesting. I love that idea. Yeah. I mean, it sounds really deep. A game where you play a literal monster and you can shapeshift and shit. It's right up my alley. So. Um, so then in terms of, like, some of the other powers that we learned about, uh, there's, like, a vampire vision that's, like, kind of, like, the Witcher vision or, like, Batman stuff so you can, like, find clues and, and, like, you know, continue quest lines or whatever. And then there's, like, some other classic vampire tropes that apparently make an appearance, like, um, needing to be invited into an NPC's home before you can enter. What? Um, That's so awesome. Yeah. You guys will finally understand my pain of just walking in your house. (laughs) Exactly. So then, like, you can... So, like, uh, the example that he gave was that, like, he... So he met this character, right? Who was this scumbag, murderer, criminal guy that he found out at the docks. And he, he inter- like, basically interviews him, figures all this stuff out about him, and is like, all right, I'm totally going to kill this guy. But then he figures out that he he's sick. Like, he has a disease, so his blood is shitty. And it won't give him very much experience. So he's like, it's not going to be enough for me to do the quest that I need to do. So I'm going to follow him back to his house and see what's up. Kill his family. Gets there, finds his mom, who's seemingly complicit in his crimes or whatever, um, and he's like, all right, I'm going to kill her. So he uses his persuasion to get inside the house, sneak her into a dark area, and feed on her, and then he needs to, like, leave and go and rest, right? So he wakes up the next day, and the consequences that um, that the the author of this article saw – was that, um, you know, her son, like, wasn't taking kindly to her death. So he basically takes over the business and the land that they own and is now, like, doing a bunch of shady criminal shit in this area and made the area shittier. And then they had an orphan who his mother had taken in that he hated and was, like, beating on, and he kicked him out into the street and, like, left him to die. So, like, those are the implications for what happened for you killing that person. Holy shit. Dude, that's so cool. That's yeah. I, I'm, I'm in love with this already, like... How many writers are they paying? They actually, like, they have a bunch of writers that are just, like, in-house at Don't yeah. Nod. Um, so, so, like, they're, like, one of the few game companies that actually has, like, writers on staff. So, to go back to a thing you said earlier, I am sick of Detective Vision in video games. <laughs> yeah, it's a trope that is, like... I mean, it depends. I think, like, there are times where it's executed fine, but in general, like, I I think it's a little lazy. Yeah, it, like, it never does anything for immersion or anything, and it doesn't do anything over just highlighting the shit that you want to highlight in regular gameplay and letting me see the game not in shitty black and white. Or, like, you know, if you, it's like, oh, hey, here's a a trail, follow it. Are you guys just talking about, like, trails in games showing up or, like, any sort of vision enhancement stuff? Like, not vision enhancement so much as, like, um, Batman's Detective Vision or Geralt's Witcher Vision, where it's just, like, um, hold R- R- L1 and you slow down, everything goes black and white, and shit's highlighted. Interesting. Yeah, and, like, I'm with you. I think it's, again, it's fine in certain games. Like, I don't mind it in a Batman game because Batman's a detective. And, like, 
it it's a thing in uh horizon zero dawn to a certain degree but it doesn't bother me again because like she has this you know like hud kind of thing that she can turn on and off and it has a bunch of uses that aren't just detective mode to follow a trail so it's like it feels like it's a natural extension of the character and the way that they solve problems as opposed to like a lazy gameplay mechanic that is just being being used to move something forward you know it it feels like a way to sort of at least in the witcher uh which is where i hate it the most it feels like a way to sort of de-gamify it and make it feel less like a video game with like shit highlighted all the time it's like oh you have to be looking uh, for saying, yeah. your prey or whatever it's like it, it doesn't make anything more fun it just slows it down and gives me a headache so to take it back to vampire yeah. sorry no it's fine winded um you know rant about gameplay mechanics uh vampire sounds dope though hey whatever that's what this show's all about right long-winded rants long-winded rants <laughs> killing criminals moms so yeah so what do we think what do you guys think about what we've heard here i think i think this game sounds really really cool uh everything you said sounds great honestly um i love the idea that you can't walk into someone's house without being invited that's a classic classic vampire trope and I've never seen it in a video game before, uh, but I, I don't know if I've played a game with vampires in it. So, uh, I think that's... It's never been well, done, dude. I've played, like, every vampire game in existence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say, I've never heard of that shit before. That's, Isn't I mean, that awesome, I li- man? Yeah, no, it's it, it's yeah. really just amazing for me. I, I, the fact that they went into... I'm, like, hoping now, like, you won't be able to cross the fucking rivers or something, because it's running water, too. I'm like, maybe they'll... some. You have to, mm. you know, like, you can't go over the bridge. Oh, why? It's running water. Oh, shit. You know, like, I gotta use a blimp or something. I don't know. Blimp. Can't go into a, a a chef's room because there's onions, <laughs> or no garlic. garlic. I'm fucking up. <laughs> what the hell's a, like, so, so much I know about really hate onions, vampire. <laughs> I'm not crying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, basically, everything in this game is awesome. I'm totally excited. It's right up my alley for every trope and like. I love Masquerade Bloodlines. I've probably played that game a hundred times. Yeah, like, I don't know, like Sean said, I think it's really cool, too, because, like, it's a great way to circumvent this, like, really ridiculous trope in games that, like, everyone's home is just, like, you can just walk right in and nobody responds to you just trespassing in their house. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, it's cool that they're actually making it. It makes the world feel more real and alive. The fact that every character is a person that's connected to the world and that, like, you can't just go wherever you want and do whatever you fucking feel like. That is incredible. I think when you say that, I think about uh, Knights of the Old Republic, and I think about you know, for as great as that game is, and it's it's probably my favorite single player game of all time. Imagine it being made now with that kind of you know the ability to put that kind of effort into it, where everything that you do matters on that level. I I just that's incredible. It, re- it yeah, really it sounds is so cool. And a lot of games say that, but it's always so superficial. You know, yeah, and that's gonna really be the test, I think, and that's kind of one of the points that the writer of this article makes is like, based on what I've seen, like it looks great. I have no reason to doubt it. But the question is gonna be, how much does this stuff really matter? You know, how much do do the the blips that you make? How much do they really ripple? You know, and like, are multiple playthroughs of this game going to be significantly different based on the choices you make? Like, are are they gonna be able to weave the choices you make? into your character's narrative in a way that matter and that resonate with you as a player right is the stuff that's not narrative based gonna be fun 
Yeah, I mean, like, from from what he said, it sounds like it looks very good. Like, it, it went from being a game that was, like, not on his radar to a game he's very excited to play because it looks way, way more deep and way more polished than he had expected. Cool. Which is, I think, exactly kind of what we left E3 wondering, is, like, what kind of game is this? What level of, like, what level of, of gameplay and depth should we be expecting here? And I think we have a better idea now. Yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to this one. Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. So, I mean, we all seem to agree that the idea of like a robust story driven vampire RPG is like really awesome unexplored territory, right? So, for the meat and potatoes this week, I wanted to ask you guys what other genres or tropes do you feel are underexplored in video games? And I don't mean video game genres or video game tropes. I mean like just general like fiction, you know, like vampires are not a thing we've gotten a lot of games for and the ones we have like we said haven't really explored a lot of classic vampire tropes or haven't explored them in like a gameplay kind of sense so you know like maybe you guys want to see more westerns maybe you think we need more mafia games what do we think we don't need more mafia games zombie games uh games that take place in world war ii <laughs> uh, I, I really need that more in my life yes please <laughs> No, actually, uh, with zombie games, I'm actually serious because I've only played <laughs> I only played one go- zombie game in my life. But I seriously never in my life need to play another game set in World War Two, or World War One, or the fictional World War Three. I'm over all of it. But as far as um, wow, as far as tropes that we that we haven't seen a lot, that's that's a really good question. Um, gosh. You know, I've got an answer, so why don't I kick it off? Yeah, sure. And I'll let you guys germ on it for a little bit. I have an um, answer too, but me too. I'll wait for you. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, I'm still going to go yeah, first yeah. because I, I already called it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, it's pirates. You know, it's and like I know we were complaining about how we're getting too many pirate games, but it's that we're not getting the kind of pirate game that I want. I mean, it's we're getting two of the same pirate game is the problem. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm excited for Sea of Thieves. Um,. But that's not the game I want. Like, the the pirate game I want is I want a like single-player, story-driven game set in the golden age of piracy. You know, I think that would be a really, really fun game. And, like, <laughs> it sucks that we're about to get overloaded with pirate shit. That's super not what I want. But I definitely think there's a lot of room for an interesting game there just because, like, it could be easily, like, a resource management kind of game, like, um, uh, oh my god, what is it? What's that, that zombie game that Microsoft has that State they're just putting out the sequel to? State of Decay. Yeah, like, you could have a game like that, right, where it's, like, you are a pirate and you, like, have an outpost and you can, like, you know, um recruit crew members and set up like different ships and you know have to manage resources and and all that kind of stuff or it could just be like a single player you know story driven narrative thing that's just a story about a young pirate you know trying to become a captain or whatever some shit like that like you know what assassin's creed black flag was if it didn't have assassin's creed and it was a more interesting game so like what you're saying is you want don't nods pirate but like spelled weird Pyrite, yes. <laughs> All right, let me let me pitch you a story here, like just for the ideal single player experience for you. Young man shows up on an island looking to be a Young pirate, man. but all the pirates are on strike because the ghost pirate LeChuck is haunting the waters. 
<laughs> Fuck you and your Monkey Island. <laughs> Listen, man, play Monkey Island. It's great. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, that that's actually... I mean, if it was that setup, but without the comedy, that would work. Oh, I'll so, be a pirate. so you want the first Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, but not without Johnny Depp. <laughs> you got a really specific game you're working on here, Pete. <laughs> I mean, it's like I want I want a game that like has the tone of something like The Witcher, you know, that is yeah, like a more like specific. It's like it's got to have this, 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 this. Well, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm saying what I want. I'm saying what I want. Like I want like a, a you know like a, a or like you know like a Skyrim, like a lived in kind of world that's set in the golden age of piracy. There's pirate shit to do. I want to go do it. Sounds like I you need to start a company, make it become rich. I don't. I I'm not gonna have a hundred million dollars to make this game, but. Bethesda, go make a pirate game. Sid Meier's Pirates is like $3 right now. Excuse me. And it's not exactly what you're pitching. It's close enough. It's still but it might water. scratch that itch for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's basically what I want. I think I think that would definitely be... I think that could be a really cool experience. Yeah. Pirates. Because I like pirates, dude. <laughs> pirates are I in this year. can't stand pirates. Pirates are in this year. <laughs> it's because you hate, you hate period pieces, Sean. But... I just don't understand the appeal of pirates. How do you not understand the appeal of pirates? You're crazy. No. It's because you're from the city. You've probably never even been on a boat. I have. <laughs> a couple of times. And I don't understand why anyone would care about thieves on the sea. I just don't get it. Dude, open ocean. You get some pirate magic in there if you want. Pirate magic? Shooting guns. <laughs> I know a lot of schools of magic. What is pirate magic? Do you have a pistol that fires twice? Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, you have a pistol that fires tentacle monsters or something. Oh, I don't Lord. know. You fight Cthulhu. Pete, that's a perfect segue. Can I jump into my idea? Yeah. <laughs> so, one of the games that I saw that had a new trailer was a Call of Cthulhu, like, I would say reboot and such because there is other Call of Cthulhu's, but it's really like a standalone kind of game. And I think that that genre, that just like has been taken over like the horror kind of game has been taken over by things like outlast and other uh you know oh run away from them you can't fight you know you you're completely yeah. helpless kind of game and a lot of them are to me jump scare kind of games and I, I don't know that's not like scratching the edge but something like call go through the where it's like a building uh sense of dread right you have something that's you you feel like you're in control but you never are kind of story you know what i mean like uh those those are really what i think needs more of like we, we don't have any like good games like that you know there's not a there's like three call of cthulhu games even in existence and like two of them are shit so <laughs> i mean the one that was sean, on yeah i was like sean what i'm hearing here is i think we need a tales of mystery game dude oh <laughs> that would be awesome that would be so cool um, dirk manning presents nightmare world by insomniac i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah so like i love that you know setting i love everything about that and and like in that same vein i think um not like dark souls like mechanics right like the like hard gameplay shit but like the setting of dark souls right the same idea it's like yeah it, like gothic kind yeah, of but dark souls has a more of like it, it never was good it never will be good kind of feel it's like you know um if anyone has you know you guys probably don't know but like berserk you know the anime it's like the same uh the manga too like it's all the same the same genre you know like it's this overwhelming like dark world that they're in and there's always like one character um you know like 
fighting against it, I guess. But more or less, they usually succumb to it. I think it's really interesting when you have a game where it seems hopeless and like they still can create a plot around that and still have somebody move forward in a world that seems just like completely like unrelenting, you know? That's just like bleak. Yeah, like I guess Grimdark, you know, like it's really cheesy to say that, but like 40k is like that too. But it's amazing because you find very interesting people. Like the people in Dark Souls, the one guy who retains like, you know, oh, like follow the sun, right? This guy's fucking awesome. Like because in a world that's so shitty, there's got this one guy who seems like Man, he's got his head on his shoulders, right? You know, it's like, he's doing something. He's like, he's taking fate by the reins and trying to make something of it. I think those games are great. Like, Call of Cthulhu fits right in there, too. Uh, a lot of that shit is cosmic horror, too. You know, like, you, fate says this, and you're just like, fuck fate. <laughs> so, I, I think that's great. You know, like, that's that's a trope we don't really get a lot of. Um, honestly, though, Pete, since we had started the last, uh, you know, Little Life is Strange thing we're doing, uh, that kind of falls into that for me. Because you say, like, I did this thing. Wait a minute. Nope, no, I didn't. <laughs> Time is reversed. Yeah. You are fucking with fate, and I think that that kind of shit is really cool too. Nice, cool. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely be into that. Um, I got one. I think that um, y'all remember the like shitty reboot of the Mummy that came out and effectively killed Universal's plans to make like a classic horror movie monsters universe, the Dark Universe. Yeah. Yeah. We had yeah. no Brendan Fraser, but like yeah. Two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I really think that that idea of like a classic movie monsters universe could be really well served in video games. Oh yeah. I agree. I, that would be really cool. So do you think you'd want to play the monsters or a person fighting the monsters? No, you'd play like the Brendan Fraser Tom Cruise characters. Yes. <laughs> so what if we what if it was like uh it's like um like a Van Helsing style guy, like you know, well, there, like a... there was a pretty good Van Helsing game back on the PS2, actually. Yeah, based on that or... movie, that would be cool. Um, like you do like a Wolfman game set in like London in the fifties. No, so so what you're saying, Andy, is is werewolf? Werewolf? Yeah. Oh I don't nod. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the highly sought after sequel to Vampire Werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> what did we see that had that? That's like a ten-year-old throwback for us, dude. Holy and then, shit! Like, yeah. The sequel, Mimey, <laughs> Swine Thing. What? Oh, I'm just putting Y's into monsters now. I was like, Mimey, what? I was like, Oh, mummy, I got you. But with a Y, <laughs> Mumu, Mum, Mum Y. Speaking of mummies, oh. what about like Mumra and Skeletor and stuff? Don't you think they'd make awesome game characters to fight against? Like that that so you, golden so age. You mean a He-Man game? That's what you're asking. No, for, that Thompson. fucking like uh, golden age and '90s cartoons, right? With all those like you know, I'll get you again, you heroes. You know, like every character, every fucking villain like that was perfect for like a cheesy video game kind of thing. You know, I I think they just fit like video game stuff very well. You know. I feel like that kind of vibe on a monster game like that would be really funny. Like, it, it could be really cool if it was, like, played real serious yeah. and it was just, like, you're this Van Helsing character and you're going around fighting all these classic monsters. But it would also be super funny if it was, like, you played a character who had, like, kind of a Nathan Drake, like, sarcastic yes. hero. Now you're getting it. And you're, like, and it's, like, a Scooby-Doo kind of vibe where yeah. they're, all, they're all still trying to kill you, but they're, like, super silly and <laughs> maniacal cartoon yeah, villains. Dude, that could be you really can funny. You the boss and, like, reload your gun, make a cool quip about it and be, like, there was Oh my god, it's <laughs> just something stupid. The game's you know? called Monster Mash. Yes. <laughs> I think, oh. like, you know, monsters oh and comedy god. go very well together, too. Alright, I have a pitch. Um, It's a, a Monster Mash up game like that, uh, but it's 
not quite co-op, but you have to play the whole thing with a sing- another person. It's like a competitive RPG, right? Okay. You do it in the style of something like uh, A Way Out that they showed at E3 last week or two sure. weeks ago. And what you have is, like, one person plays the Tom Cruise character trying to, like, figure out what's up and recruit his forces to help fight this mummy. The other player plays the mummy gathering their forces over, like, this five-hour mini-campaign, and then, like, shit happens. I don't know. That would be really cool for, like, a 3DS title that you could, like, dual link to somebody else, you know? Like, you could both be playing it on separate handhelds and, like, or, like, the Switch. That'd be fucking great for that, you know? It's, like, that's the kind of game that I, I would, any kind of game like that, actually. Like, you're encouraged to play in the same room, but you could have two screens like, kind of thing. Andy, yeah. you, like, you're onto something, though. Like, that's a genre that we have never really explored at all. Like, a game that plays differently for two people, but still plays together. You know what I mean? That is, like, two games in one, almost. You know, like, depending on what side you pick or whatever. It's not just like, oh, I'm yeah. RTS with a different faction, or, like, you know, even a way out. Like, we're still doing the same thing, you know, different characters. But, like, you're talking about, like, a game that's, like, it could probably only work for the, that kind of game like a strategy game more so or like even a turn-based thing but or story yeah like it yeah. could just be it could literally just be like a, i can see that being like a supermassive you know like until dawn style game of just yeah, like yeah. you both That'd play really one cool. character and you pick options to play against one another but like it is just dialogue and like you know decision making not so much like gameplay mechanics or like resource management or anything like that actually now that we're talking about it there is a game i think i mentioned it before it's on steam that you uh hook it up like to your phone right and it gives you like cues about what your character does and like what your character needs for the objectives kind of like town of salem Hmm. stuff right and you play the game uh and you decide like everyone has their own stuff that they need to do and everyone has their own path they're trying to take so you're, you're like trying to help everyone's trying to get to the end but only one person can win so it's a matter of like doing things you know that like fulfill your goals while also fulfilling the party goals too um take that combine it with like not indiana jones or uncharted but like one player plays the indiana jones nathan drake figure the other guy plays balak or i don't remember who like the rival nathan drake was in the first uncharted game that guy sucked. You, uh, Lazarevich was in the second one. Yeah. He was cool. That guy sucks. Weird, b- bald Russian guy with a scar. Yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of guy. <laughs> like the rival archaeologist, and you're like moving around, maneuvering against each other to yeah. get the, the Ark of the Covenant or whatever the thing is, and then there's the big climax. Yeah, dude, that could be really cool. You could have that kind of idea too, a rival archaeologist, but in like a real world setting, and you guys are super passive to each other. You just like, you know, it's like that fucking guy. Like you go over and like you uh you discredit his work on like a certain like thing. You know, you write him like hateful like letters and stuff because you're in the real world and you can't do anything too crazy. So it's just the most like <laughs> how passive aggressive can you be to the other archaeologist team and still get funding? <laughs> you know, <laughs> can you dis- discredit them or like tamper with their yeah, gear? Yeah, discredit and stuff? them, tamper with their gear, show up and like hold them at gunpoint, take their stuff, but don't just kill them. There, yeah. There's a segment where all the uh, where all the, uh, the the Bible uh, people come by and they're just like every one of these dig sites is a government plant, you know. <laughs> it's like they put the boats here. It's just like you have to deal with the real world problems of life of being a scientist, you know. Just being shat on for your work, you know. It's like I'm doing God's work and be, you know? why? Why do you want me to stop? Don't nod, Indiana jeans. Like, <laughs> just a blue collar guy trying to dig up some bones. <laughs> Indiana jean jacket. <laughs> All, right. All right. What about you, Sean? Uh, so for me, I really love games that mess with you psychologically uh, and also sort of 
question reality on some level, uh, similar to what Thompson was talking about on, on a lot of levels with uh, like the Cthulhu yeah, stuff. Definitely, that's um, yeah, right up my alley. I, yeah, I mine too, and I don't think we get a lot of that. Uh, some of the games that do mess with you psychologically, like uh, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, is an example that comes to my head. Um, games like that are great in that sense, but there's not a ton of player agency in games like that. It's more, it's always more about you sort of being on rails and having an experience that comes at you rather than you being able to really sort of engage with it. So that would be cool. Um, I think about sequences in Batman, uh, Arkham, Arkham Asylum, where you deal with the scarecrow, uh, and, and you're walking around and weird stuff is happening around you. And initially, you don't even know if it's real or not. Real in the sense of the game, of course. Uh, stuff like that, I would like to see a lot more of. And I don't really feel like we get that a lot. In games that are more action-based also. Like, there aren't a lot of action-based games like right. that. Yeah, like that have like surrealist horror like that. Yeah. Did yeah, you guys exactly. ever play Eternal Darkness on the uh, GameCube? No. No. Sean, you would love it. You would absolutely really? love it. It actually scared the shit out of me. It's still, I think, one of the scariest games I've ever played. Um, it's super hard to find, but you can totally have my copy of it. And you can even borrow my GameCube if you don't have one. I I, 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 I do. See, I, honest to God, if this is like the kind of games you like, Eternal Darkness is like perfect. It's actually great. I'd be more than happy to check it out. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's it awesome. fucks with you so much. It turns the sound off on purpose. It makes the volume bars go up and down. Oh, It'll man. like if, That's if cool. your sanity gets too low and like anything can cause your sanity to go too low. Like the game as you're walking and fighting, like possibly your arms will like shrink and blow up a little and like pop out and like then like it'll flash back and like the enemies were never there in the first place kind of shit. Uh, you can like find wow. yourself dead in corners and like you're just like shot in the head and you're like, "Oh god, I saw my dead body." And like, you know, like <laughs> It's a very Cthulhu feel, but it's like it's Elder Gods, but it's not Cthulhu. So it's like right up your alley. Sounds good. That's very cool. Yeah. And and just as an addendum, uh, I I feel like there aren't a lot of games. This see this is gonna come off wrong, and it's not true. But I okay. I feel like there are a lot of there aren't a lot of games that have something to say, in which you also get to have a very very fun action based gameplay experience. So a lot of the games, I feel like a lot of the games that have something to say are slower. Uh, they're more, I don't know. You guys talk a, a lot about games like this that that really have a strong narrative drive that make you guys cry or make you feel a ton of emotion. And those are great. I feel like a lot of action games don't provide you with that in the same way. And so I'm looking yeah. for like God of War level yeah. um, gameplay. But with mind bendy stuff and a really strong narrative that has something interesting to say. Right. Yeah, and I think it is usually kind of like it seems like a one or the other kind of thing. Yes. You either get a game with a great story or a game with great gameplay. Or Uncharted 2. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I was saying Uncharted 2 does both of those things. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying it doesn't either, because I'm used to you shitting on things I like. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, you're right. Uncharted 2 does have both of those things. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, Undertale too. I think to a degree because its gameplay is really fun. Persona Five. There you go. Um, so they they don't not exist, but I think you're right that most games make you make a choice of like, would you rather have good gameplay or good story? Even some of the games I love, like Dragon Age Origins, you know, like Mass Effect is probably the only Bioware game that does a good job of mixing both. 
Mass Effect 2 specifically yeah. feels great. I, Actually, Mass Effect 3 also feels great. Yeah, 2 and 3's combat and, and story, story presentation feel like what you guys are, like, hitting on, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, what you're talking about. I'm right there with you. I mean, that's, like, to me, those are my favorite games are the ones that nail those two things. You know, that, like, have a story that you can't wait to get through more of, but that you're so into the gameplay that you're never, like, rushing through a segment to get to the story. Yeah, right. it's like you stop to get a conversation after a combat phase, and you're not disappointed you have to talk to somebody. And you're like, I want to yeah. move this along, and then, like, someone ambushes you, and you're like, oh, I get to fight again, cool, every part's exciting. You know, you want to do, you right. just want to get more of it, whatever it is. Exactly. You're not like, oh, I'm going to get another combat scene, I gotta, you know, do this crap, you know, or like, oh, great, another conversation. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to make one last, like, small pitch before we get out of here, which is just, because I, I was thinking about it, um, in terms of, like, genres that I think are underrepresented are, uh, actually romance. So I was thinking about it, How and I feel boyfriend? like... Come on. No, right, <laughs> and I was gonna say, it's not like romance games don't exist, um, but I feel like they're generally, like, exclusively Japanese, and they're aimed at, like, a very specific market, you know? And I think, I definitely think that if we saw a company, like telltale like maybe take like a property like uh like archie you know riverdale or something <laughs> um that could totally work or uh or like again like a don't nod and you take a game like life is strange or like the way that it sounds like they're gonna handle life is strange's sequel which is like a game like that with just no superpowers you know where it's literally just like you're a normal person in regular situations and like just doing things sean don't laugh at me because i like riverdale Wait, pete are you pitching don't nods archway Yes! <laughs> That's why I was laughing because I saw Andy's wheels turning in his brain when you said when you said don't nod. I could see it in his face that he was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Arch our, our <twi> kids. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, so I think that could be really fun. I think a game that is just like focused around like um, specifically focus around your relationships to other characters and like your social status, like in a school or like in persona. a you know, <laughs> right? Again, persona. But I think again, if you had a, a, a game like that that focused on that as the primary mechanic, as opposed to okay. having uh co like combat or even like in Life is Strange case where there's a supernatural power set and like a greater mystery and all that kind of stuff. You know, like, it would be interesting to have something that was more like a dating sim, but that isn't, like, fan servicey or specifically aimed at, like, you know, weebs like you and Thompson. So we need Buffy the <laughs> Vampire Slayer and a game, basically. Because it's got combat and romance and everything else. No, but I, I'm saying not a focus on combat. No, I know, like, but, like, I'm not going to play like, straight romance, so I'm going to have to have something in there for me, you know? <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying is I want a game that's good enough that you will play straight romance. That is just, like, the the, the writing and the relationship dynamics Why and stuff are so interesting. Why it got to be straight romance, Pete? Why can't Tom can't play like gay that. romance? Can't, you can be gay. <laughs> can it be a Buffy game where I don't actually play in the combat scenes and every day she goes out and fights something and at the end she's like, today I killed a vampire. And then like you play all the romance, you just play the romance parts and live her life. <laughs> but in the backdrop, she's like, I also kill monsters. And she, she has little nods that she does it, but you don't have to see it. Just as long as you honest, know you're doing badass shit. Honest to God, if you were to straight up jack all of the systems and mechanics from Persona and just slap the Buffy IP on top of it. It's actually, yeah, that's not a bad I, idea. I am having why? to restrain myself so much because I love Buffy. Buffy is yeah. everything to me. I've watched this and shit out of it. So 
I know, and I'm waiting. Like, I was like, I really want to talk to Thompson about Buffy right now, but we're in the middle of a video game show, so let me oh, stop. Yeah, it's okay. I just figured it would be a nice little, you know, shout out. <laughs> it, it, yes, thank you. Uh, but uh, to Pete's point about a romance game, when you initially said romance game, I'm like, who cares? But I actually think that could be really interesting. A game, like I think about a game that takes it, takes itself seriously. That's about a relationship between two people and yeah. has many, many outcomes depending on your actions. You know, like you can get married or you could be you could you could have the relationship fall apart. And it's all about the choices that you make. I think that could be right. really interesting. And I think that could teach people a lot of lessons about relationships or lead to some insight. And I think that is what's so like that as a thing is such a huge part of why Bioware games are fun. You know, like, is the relationships you form with characters and, like, who you romance and who's your best friend. And I think if it was a game that was focused around that and wasn't broken up by gameplay experience as well, that could be really interesting. Like, if it was... And again, the reason I brought up uh, Archie is, like, that's a perfect IP for that. Something where it's, like, you're a kid, it's your first day at school, and, you know, you, like, there's a bunch of different, like you know, romance options, depending on if you're a boy or a girl, or if you're gay or straight, or, you know, like, you can join the football team, or you could, like, start a band, or you could join the student government, and, like, you know, all that kind of stuff, or, like, it could be, like, it was, like, Bully, uh, that Rockstar game, like, explored with a lot of that, where every single kid in the school had their own personality and backstory, and you could join certain cliques, or whatever, and, like, that could be really interesting, and it doesn't have to be high school, but that's just, like, an easy thing, you know? College could work, too, but I feel like high school is a good setting for that because, like, when you're in high school, high school feels like your whole world. And it just feels like an easy, self-contained thing where you have all this stuff built in that you could approach. And, like, you know, like, again, like, if you were a theater kid, right, like, you could go into that track. And, like, the the big conflict there is, like, oh, you're going to have to go up against the guy who's been, like, the star of everything forever. And you want to be the lead in the play. And you've got, like, that's the storyline that you chose, you know, or... Like, you decide you're going to hang out and smoke on the side of the fucking gym, and you're going to hang out with those kids, and that runs into its own thing, and, you know, like, I don't know, I think that could be really, really cool. Yeah. I'd be into that. I think I think you just hit the, the note that every Japanese developer ever tried with the, you know, because it's like every game has to be, like, a high school thing for Japan, so it's like, I, I just think it's funny because, like, this is something that, like, uh, I think is awesome, but, like is definitely been in the mindset of many, many, many Japanese games that they, like, want to get that slice of life, and you're basically, like, saying, like, let's just do the slice of life and just cut the rest of the shit out, and, like, I don't know why no one's thought of that before. If they're trying so hard to get that down, if they got rid of all the other stuff, like, like, um... I'm sorry. Uh, like when Andy, that's you know Persona's stuff with a different IP. Like you know the relationship system inside of it is, is you know, and the whole th- fact that you pretty much play half the game, school stuff, and not like you know, killing crap. You know, like yeah, that exists. That's the thing that could really actually sell. I think. Yeah, dude. I, I don't. I don't think that there would be such fervent fan bases for games like Persona and Fire Emblem and the Bioware titles and stuff if there weren't that those relationship like elements I'll fight you. Like, that is such a big part of those games you know I'm like no I'm like they're great on a gameplay sense don't get me wrong but I like if persona or fire emblem was just gameplay and it wasn't like oh this character's like best girl and she's my waifu and I love this cat and it's like it's those flavors are what really make a game stick with you you know Garrus was my best friend and like all that kind of stuff whereas like I think that could just be the gameplay and I think that would speak to non-gamers in a really big way as well 
you know, that could bring in, like, a more casual audience while still giving them something that is, like, deep and inherently only possible in video games. So I think that could be really interesting. Um, I'm fine with ending on that point, but I do just want to, like, say, hey, Fire Emblem didn't always have that shit. It was a successful franchise before that. <laughs> okay, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. All right, so that's going to wrap up the discussion here on episode nine of the Video Game Pals. If you guys want to connect with us, you can find all of our social media tags in the description below, along with all the news stories that we discussed today. And as a quick reminder, uh, you can send us an email or connect with us on social media at the Comics Pals or thecomicspals at gmail.com. Send in a random question of the week. Send us your buy or sell. Send us your thoughts on our main topic, uh, any of the news items that we discuss, and we'll read them on the air. And until then, we'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Video Game Pals. Take care, guys. Bye, Peace. friends.